Thanks for tuning in to Mountain View Fellowship's weekly podcast with lead pastor Don Headley. At MVF, our mandate is pointing people to Jesus by fostering relationships. We know Jesus cared for people and placed a lot of emphasis on relationships. So we do too. We believe that we're created for relationship with God and that he gave each one of us a desire to belong. If you'd like more information about MVF, connect with us at mvfcolorado.com. Now, stay tuned for this week's message. We're in the second week of this series entitled God With Us, and we're jumping into this uh, last, we jumped into it last week, we're jumping into it this week, talking about what it means to have God with us and what comes out of that. What does that mean for us? Now, if you've never really been around church, you don't know what we're talking about with God with us, let me just briefly explain it real quick. Jesus came, he was sent uh, by God to, to come to earth. He stepped out of heaven, put on flesh, became a baby in a manger. We'll talk about that story here in a minute. And he came for one reason and one reason only, to die for our sins. Uh, he was born to die. And, and in that, he ascends into heaven and sends his Holy Spirit. So you could look at it this way. Since Jesus came on that first Christmas morning 2,000 years ago, we have not uh, we've not been separated from God, but Jesus actually provided a way for us to be made right with God, to commune with God, to have a relationship with him. And so in that, we have God with us here now. That doesn't mean that we're God. It means that God is with us. And so that's the idea behind God is with us. Now, the question that we're asking in this series is, what does that mean for us? What does that bring? Last week, we talked about God with us brings hope. Today, uh, I want to talk to you about another aspect of that, but I want to do it by going to the Christmas story, which is found in Luke chapter 2. So if you brought your Bibles, if you brought your phone or whatever, pull it up, go to Luke chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 1. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. Those guys coming up and down the aisle will hand you one. It's our gift to you. Just put your name in it. Head over to Luke chapter 2 with us this morning. Uh, We are going to dive into this Christmas story and uh, just kind of take it for what it is this morning. Uh, now, as you uh, were listening to Kelly, as she's reading the story and talking to you about, uh, you know, preparing for the service today, she told you that she's kind of a, a Christmas geek, right? I, I'm a self-professed Christmas nerd. I lose my mind when it uh, comes around to this time of the year. I just have a, a great time. I love what it stands for. I just love all the festivities, and I really get into it when my kids were little growing up. I, I was just an idiot when it came to Christmas, and now that I'm a grandfather, I'm a complete idiot. I mean, I'm just losing it at Christmas time, just having a great time. Now, uh, one of the things I love about Christmas is the music. I enjoy that. And, and Kelly said she got an opportunity to start it in September, so you could tell if she was playing in her office, you know where I was at, right? So uh, I just love Christmas music. But what was interesting is a few years ago, there's an artist by the name of CeeLo Green, and he wrote this song for a Christmas uh, uh, album. And it was kind of interesting because when he shot the official video for it, he actually did it with the Muppets. And it was a funny, uh, funny song because the title of the song is All I Need Is love. That was the whole thing. But what was interesting, it was like this juxtaposed uh, video because he shows up in a convertible Rolls Royce and he gets out and he's got chains all around his neck and the whole song he's singing about all the technology and all these awesome things that you could get for Christmas. But uh, in this, the Muppets are helping him with this whole song. But they get to the chorus and the chorus just simply said, but all I need is love. That's really all I need. 
Now, I know that CeeLo Green and the Muppets weren't really trying to take a theological stance with this song, okay? But I, I do think that what this song did, though, is it tapped into a truth that we see in Scripture, which is that we are all in need of love. We desperately desire love, whether we say it or not. God has instilled that within every one of us. We want to be loved. And it's a truth that we can't hide from. And Christmas is this time of the year that I think we tend to see that play out even more. At Christmas time, we're more apt to show a little love to the people around us, to receive love from other people, family and friends and neighbors. And we'll take cookies over our neighbors when we don't do it any other time of the year. Uh, we'll, even at this time of the year, we'll show love to even perfect, complete strangers. Like, uh, you know, you get in a traffic altercation and you're like, hey, just because it's Christmas, I'm not going to get out of my car. You know, it's like that. We're just willing to love each other just a little bit more this time of the year. And I know what you're, you're saying. Yeah, there's other sides of that. We have the occasional Christmas brawl. I get that, okay? But by and large, overall, most of the time, Christmas time is this great time that just warms us up. It softens us and, and allows us to show love to the people around us. And we're more apt to do that. And I think it's rightfully so because this is the time that we celebrate, celebrate when God loved on us, when he loved us and he sent his son. And, and when Christ came and he was born in that manger, he became this perfect example of God's love for us. And so for the second week, I would say, what do we get out of God with us? I would say that God with us brings love brings love. And this is good news because, as I said before, we all desire this. We need this. People without love, they, they wither away and die quickly. We desire that God has placed that deep within each and every one of us. And so today on the second Sunday of this Advent season, as we're taking this journey to figure out what God with us brings us, I would say that today we want to focus on love, that God with us brings love. Now, I want us to look at this Christmas story this morning. And before we jump into this, I want to caution those of us that maybe have... Um, been in church uh, a lot of our lives, and we've heard this story so many times. Uh, some of you might recognize it. It's, it's on the Charlie Brown Christmas special. It's the one that Linus recites, right, when he gets on the stage. And so some of it might sound familiar to you. But, but for some of you, uh, you've read this every year. You know what it says. And, and, and it's become old hat to you. And, and you forget how incredible this story is. Think of it today as though you've never heard this story before. Because if there's somebody in here and they've never heard this story before, imagine what this story would sound like. I mean, we're talking angels, uh, a virgin birth. We're talking all these things. This is a crazy story, amazing story about Christmas. And sometimes we'll just read it and just go right on by it. And I don't want us to do that today. So let's read this with new eyes today and really try to take in something that you've never seen before. So are you there? Are you ready to go? Luke chapter 2. All right, this is what it says. And I'm going to try to read this the best I can. I'll be honest with you. I've been practicing it all week. And uh, the reason I'm having trouble is because when we moved into this facility, we changed the translation of the Bible that we pass out. We're reading it out of the NLT, which is what I have it up here in. But I learned it years ago as a kid in a different translation. So I go into cruise control and I start reading it incorrectly. So I'm going to try not to do that. If I do that, I'm not an idiot, okay? I just, I'm, I'm just not reading the screen. I'm just thinking of it from memory. So bear with me today. So this is what it says. Luke chapter 2, an amazing story. At that time, the Roman emperor, Augustus, decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. 
This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped, him in, in, she wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night, there were shepherds staying in the field nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said about, to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. It's an amazing story. Uh, you have these two young people, Mary and Joseph, and Joseph uh, is, is actually engaged to be married. And, and they did things differently back then. It, it's not like what we do today. Like the families would arrange the marriage and, and they would have this, this moment in time where they would go through an engagement with one another before they would ever really, what we would call, be married and would consummate the marriage. And so they're in this, this uh, season of being engaged. And in that time, Mary is visited by an angel and told that she's pregnant with the Son of God. And she's like, how can this be? I'm a virgin. There's no way that this can happen. And, and the angel explains the Holy Spirit has, has made her pregnant. And so Joseph, being an upright man, being a man of honor, and I think some, maybe some of it out of love, not wanting to disgrace her or her family, decides that he's going to divorce her secretly because obviously he can't believe the story that she's telling him. And so in that moment, the angel visits him as well and says, Joseph, what Mary has told you is true. And so he decides to stay with her. And, and in, the moment, in that moment, they're in, a, in an area where the Roman uh, Empire is ruling and oppressing the people. And they tell all of them, look, we want you to go back to your place of birth, where your family is from, because we're going to take a census. And in the middle of this pregnancy, he has to stick this young lady who's pregnant on a donkey and walk her 70 miles back to Bethlehem. And while they're there for the census, there's no lodging for him. And, and we're not told a lot of the answers in Scripture, and, and so you're left just kind of figure these things out on your own and just to wonder. But uh, these are some of the questions that I have when I get up there. I'm, I'm going to be like, why didn't they have a place to stay? 
It was where their family was from. Surely they had family there. Was it because she was pregnant and they were unwed? Was there something going on there that we're not aware of? But they they had no lodging. And so they're in a stable and she gives birth to to the son of God and wraps him in, in strips of cloth and lays him in a manger. And then an angel appears. An angel appears to these shepherds, the lowest of the low, people that stunk, that nobody else wanted to hang out with, and lets them know first that the Messiah, the one who has come to save his people, has been born in Bethlehem. It's an incredible story. And I don't want us to miss it today because this story really does point to the fact that God with us brings love because God loved us and sent his son. And when Jesus arrives, he actually becomes this this baby uh, in flesh before our eyes. He is the human embodiment of God's love given to us. He, He is what we call Emmanuel, which is translated God with us, is where we get the name of the series from. But he is Emmanuel. He is what they call God incarnate. Incarnate is just this long word that means in flesh. God stepped out of heaven and became fully human, put on flesh, and walked among his people. He was the perfect display of God's love to us. God with us brings love. Now, I want to show you another section of Scripture that spells this out. Uh, Turn over to John chapter 3, go to verse 16. Uh, You might know this passage because you've seen it held up at uh, football games all the time, but I want to show you something maybe you missed uh, that might shed some light on this subject today. Um, as we dive into this, let me tell you, we moved to Colorado years and years ago. I'd tell you how many, but then you'd realize how old I am. Uh, but we moved here many, many years ago from Texas. My wife and I came up, and I was probably 19, 18, 19 years old. My wife was 18, and we were pregnant and, and the early 20s in that time, you know, moving to Colorado, moved 1,200 miles away, and I moved her here for a job, and I was in the snack food industry. We were in potato chips, and and uh, my wife was pregnant. She was getting real close to delivery. And I remember thinking as I was going into work each day, man, I got I to gotta get my work done because we're going to have a baby here pretty soon. I want to make sure that I'm ready for that. And so I go into work one day and um, they had a whole stack of papers. We, we used to do what we called audits. So uh, for, for those of you that know anything about grocery stores, you go into a grocery store, you'll see all these potato chips, right? Well, they pay for every linear foot of that. And so we would go into the stores to make sure that our contract was being upheld. We got, you know, three foot top to bottom. And then so we make sure that we've got all three foot and all of our product is displayed and that Frito-Lay didn't push us off into the aisle, you know, or something like that. And so uh, they gave me this stack and I thought, you know what, I'm going to try to get some extra work done today so that I'm ready for when my son is born. And so I take him, uh, take a whole stack of these things and I leave. Now I know the young people in the room, you're going to think this is crazy. You probably won't believe me. Uh, but this is way back before cell phones, okay? And you couldn't reach anybody when they were in the car. You just couldn't do it. Like, you had to know where they were at to talk to them on the phone. So if they were at work, you could call their, you could dial their phone number to their job, and they would pick up, and you could talk to them. Or if they knew whose house you were at, they could call you there. But that's it. 
That's the only way you could communicate outside of that. You weren't communicating. You couldn't just pick up the phone and call them or text them. It just didn't work that way. And so if, if your uh, friend was gone, you would have to know where they went in order to call them. Or you would call one of your other friends and go, hey, I'm looking for so-and-so. Is he there? They'd say, no, I think he's over at some other place. And then you'd have to remember that number too and dial that phone number and you'd find him over there. And this is how it worked. Well, I left the office and I went to work and I took these stacks of papers and I went, clear down to the Morrison area. I'm down working in that area, the far southwest part of Denver. And, and so we were living at Hamden and I-25 at the time, working at 58th and I-25, if you guys know that commute, right? Drive through the mousetrap every day. And 58, back then, that was like the north edge of Denver. If you got to 120th, it was all country. It's not that way anymore, but this is the way it used to be. And so I drove from 58th all the way down to southwest Denver, and I'm going from grocery store to grocery store doing all of my audits. And I just Decide that day that I'm going to work extra because I want to get this work done before my wife goes into labor. The problem with that was that morning my wife went to the grocery store, did our grocery shop, and while she was in the grocery store, she started feeling a few things that the doctor told her, if you feel these things, you should probably let me know. She finishes the grocery shop and she gets to the house. She calls the doctor and the doctor says, go to the emergency room right now. This is right about noon. She calls the office. Is Don there? No, he's out. He's doing a bunch of audits. Would you let him know that I'm going into labor and he needs to get to University Hospital as soon as possible? Yes, we will. Click. She goes to the hospital. I'm still in southwest Denver. I decide I'm going to work late. So I get back to the office at about 6.30, 7 o'clock that night. And uh, the secretary, I remember walking through the front door with my, my file, and the secretary and all the guys standing in the front office looked at me like really weird. It was just this obvious, what are you doing here type look, you know? And I said, well, you know, I work here. That's what I'm doing here, you know? And I'm turning all my files in. And they said, well, you're supposed to be at the hospital. I said, why? And they said, your wife called at like noon and she went into labor. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to get killed. You know, she's going to kill me. And, and I ran out and jumped in the car, drove all the way to University Hospital. And, and thank you, God, I was able to get there in time for, for my son's birth. But I almost missed my son's birth because I was preoccupied, because uh, I thought some other things were more important in that moment or my attention wasn't where it was supposed to be. And I almost missed it Altogether, And that's one of those things you can't take back. Like it's not, you, you don't call a mulligan and go, baby, can we do this again? Because I was a little bit late. It doesn't work that way. I almost missed it. Now I tell you that goofy story to say this. Every year this time, we talk about the birth of Christ. We talk about uh, angels and Mary and Joseph and the scene. And, and um, some of us are preoccupied. Preoccupied. Some of us have things in our lives that, that we get distracted by, and it's, you know, glitter and presents and shopping, and the family's coming, and we've got to make sure this is right, and we get running around, and we get so busy and preoccupied, and we think that other, everything else is more important that we miss the birth of Jesus. And I want to encourage all of us today not to miss the birth. Don't miss this. Focus this season and make sure that you are present and that you understand God's presence in this season. Take a look at John chapter 3, verse 16. As I said, you've probably heard this many times before. It says, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. This is why Jesus came. 
so that we wouldn't have to perish, to, to pay a price that we couldn't pay. But most of you probably don't know 17. It says God sent his son into the world not to judge the world. Isn't that ironic? Because that seems to be the biggest argument against Jesus, against the church, against Christianity, is that, no, you know, I'm not going to serve a God. He, he's too judgmental. And those people, they're too judgy. I don't like that. And, and we always are painted this picture in our culture that Jesus is like the got you guy. Like he's out there just trying to catch you doing something wrong so that he can judge you. But yet in this passage, we're told God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to what? But to what? It's Christmas time, you can celebrate. But to, but to save, and we should celebrate that. Not to judge, but to save the world through him. Jesus was sent to save us. And this is why Christmas is a celebration. For God so loved the world that he sent his son. God with us, brings love. It shows us how much God loves us, that he would send his son and lose his son on the cross, and he would take our sins with him so that we could be forgiven. Now, if you haven't heard anything else I've said, if you walk out of here today and you forgot everything that I said, here's the, the only thing, if you miss everything else, this is the only thing that you need to take with you. Okay, you ready for this? That God knows you and he loves you anyway. Did you hear me? God knows you and he loves you anyway. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. He loves you anyway. That's why he came. That's why we celebrate Christmas. Why? Because God with us brings love. He loved us that much. And he's not going to let us go. He gave his son for you. Not to judge you, but to save you. The whole argument of, you know, I, I just don't know. I can't follow God. I can't follow Jesus. Uh, you know, I can't, I can't believe in a God who would send people to hell. And I always go, that's so backwards. God's not the one sending us to hell. God's the one that sent his son so that we wouldn't have to go to hell. That's how much he loves us. I pray that this season, that we wouldn't miss the birth of Jesus Christ, that, that we would understand it for what it truly is, which is a, a full demonstration, pure demonstration of God's love for us in, in the form of a baby in a manger in Bethlehem. And I pray that this year, by not missing that, that it would change us from the inside out and cause us to embrace that love that Jesus freely extends us and, and that would flow through us so that we might love the way that he loves us. Would you please stand? I'm gonna close by just reading a prayer, um, a blessing over you. This comes out of Ephesians chapter three, and I, I just wanna read this. I wanna pray for us, and I, I just wanna send you out with this today. And it's kind of a, a Christmas blessing, if you will, keeping in mind that God with us brings love. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God.
Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for each person in this room. We just ask that in this season that you would draw us closer to you. Lord, I know there are people in here who have tuned me out today because they don't believe that you know who they are. You don't believe that you care about what's going on in their lives and they think that they're hiding. But Lord, I pray that you would let them know today without a doubt that you know them and that you love them. Thank you for loving us anyway. Lord, we thank you for this season. Help us just to enjoy the reason for it, the fact that you loved us so much that you would come for us. God, I pray that you would guide and protect us and bring us back here next week. Shape us every day to be people that look more and more like you. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said. Thanks for joining us here at Mountain View Fellowship. We'd love the chance to meet you in person. We gather each Sunday at 9 and 1045 a.m. at 1955 Headlight Road in Strasburg, Colorado. If you aren't able to join us in person, we'll meet you right back here next week. God bless.